0: Welcome to the Courage Rising podcast. I am Genevieve and I am dedicated to shining a light on women's stories of empowering themselves through struggle, hardship, and pain and creating beautiful lives of purpose, passion, and love, showing us what it means to truly thrive after trauma. Each week, I release a new interview with women showing great courage in sharing their stories. To connect with the Courage Rising community on an even deeper level, join the free Facebook group at facebook.com groups slash Courage Rising podcast. Thank you for joining us, where stories change lives. okay hey y'all thank you so much for tuning in to the courage rising podcast on today's episode i'm interviewing brooke martin brooke is a self-care and mindset coach who helps women create inner happiness through rewriting their old stories and shifting the self-love she is on a mission to shine a light on mental health and to teach women how to take care of themselves so that depression and anxiety and other mental health illnesses don't have to become a life sentence for them. So thank you so much for joining me, Brooke. I really appreciate you being here.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Awesome. All right. So um, what I'd love to start off with is um, just to share a little bit about what your life looks like now, sort of what thriving feels like to you.
1: Sure. So now, yeah, um, I'm building my business as a self-care and mindset coach. Um, I've got a certification as a holistic life coach and mind-body practitioner, which I got two years ago. Um, I'm a a busy mum and yeah, just building my business and trying to help other women out there overcome some of the things that were struggles for me in my life that I've been able to overcome. So just wanting to share that. And I think get the message out there that we need to take care of our own mental health.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you said you're a busy mum. How, uh, how many kids and how old are they?
1: So I have two beautiful girls. I have my eldest turns nine today. So she's super excited and oh wow
0: happy birthday
1: (laughs) (laughs) and my youngest is turning seven um in october so they definitely keep me busy
0: oh yeah that's a busy age too (laughs) yeah
1: but they're my inspiration um you know for me i don't want to see them grow up with the same struggles that i have as well so trying to share all the things that i've learned as well with them to build up their, uh, self-esteem and and their confidence. So they feel like they can go out and conquer the world.
0: Oh, that's incredible. I feel like that's such an important part of the journey, right? Is being able to do that and let them have sort of a different experience than we did, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
0: Awesome. All right. So yeah, so going back, um, like really the purpose of this podcast is to showcase our stories of going through struggle or trauma um, and sort of how we were able to make it through and get to this place. We're able to look back with so much love and um, in order to share and to share these stories with people who might still be there. might still be really in that struggle um, or really just starting to come out of it. And so um, yeah, why don't we go back and you can talk a little bit about where you came from, sort of like growing up.
1: Yep. So for me, I was a super shy child uh, and um, quite, I suppose, quite a nervous child. I never thought that when I was growing up that that was anxiety. I just, I just thought I was a nervous and, and shy child. And during uh, my, my early primary school years, I received a bit of bullying from other kids and I think from that early age I developed low self-esteem, low self-worth, there were you know challenges in the family home where I developed that lack of self-worth and that belief that I just wasn't good enough Um, and some of the stuff that happened during I guess primary school years you know I was sort of made to feel like I was a bit of an outcast or a social outcast. I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, and I think that it was that that, that sort of led me onto to having some social anxiety and having struggles with, even now there are the moments when I still struggle with being able to meet new people and, and have those skills. Um, so there from there, really that, that self hate and that, that, low self-worth developed into depression. I was diagnosed at 18. But I do think for me that that's something that was present. I think that depression was there probably around 15 or 16. Um, so then that kind of just traveled with me for for a, a lot of years. Um, I think for me, I've only been really on this journey of coming out of it in the last um, probably four years. Um, So depression was my story for a really long time. Um, Yeah, I kind of, it was ups and downs, um, sometimes doing okay with it. Other times I was medicated. I saw different counselors and psychologists along the journey, trying to receive that help. Um, I was self-managing at the time of having my kids and I was aware that I was at a higher risk of postnatal depression and I thought that I didn't have it with my first daughter and it was when I had my second daughter that it became evident that I had postnatal and it was then that I realized that I, I think I had it with my first as well I just I'm not sure if I didn't want to see it or if I just didn't The signs were a little bit different. Um, So that was, yeah, another dark place heading through postnatal as well.
0: Okay, yeah. Um, So when you are talking about as a child, you know, really feeling like a social outcast, uh, is that something that you had felt really your whole childhood, or was there something that um, sort of catalyzed that at any point?
1: I think I felt it for a lot of my childhood, I think because I was shy, and I, I was extremely shy, like I would hide behind my mum's leg when we went places. I was really, really deeply shy. But then there were key moments in school where um, I went to a small country school, so it was always the same group of kids each year, and there was um, you know, a group of girls that I just wanted to hang out with and at the start of every year. They would include me in their group for about a month. And then after that, I wasn't allowed to play with them. So that's one key thing that sticks with me. And I think that it was that that possibly led to a bit more of the um, social anxiety as well.
0: Yeah, I right. anxiety and depression, they're always um, so linked, even though, right, like on the outside, they look like they're opposites or they're so different, but they often go hand in hand in so many cases.
1: Which is actually interesting because I was always diagnosed with depression, but I never actually believed that I had anxiety until I had my kids. And then when I had my kids and I was just so afraid of things happening to them, that I had one psychologist say to me that I had anxiety and then the penny sort of dropped as to how it had really been present for most of my life. I just, I hadn't seen it. I didn't realize that I had it.
0: Yeah. I I've heard that story so many times. Um, and I resonate with it actually myself as well. Cause I have, I've had a really intense journey with anxiety, but it's when it's been there your whole life, like it's just what, normal is right like it's just like your normalized state and so you don't realize that it's different right you don't realize that there is anxiety present because it's your like normal state of being
1: well yeah and i just thought that i was a a nervous and fearful kind of personality that's just what i thought i was so i didn't really see it as anxiety until years later when i had the kids and Someone said, no, you've definitely got anxiety.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So with the depression as a teenager, um, that was, was that really linked to the feelings of low self-worth? And was there anything else sort of linked to that?
1: No, I think a lot of it was around that low self-worth. I had no self-confidence, And I'd never believed that I was good enough for anything. I also had a deep belief that I didn't deserve to be loved either. So I think it was all of these deep feelings. Um, There was no ever really one single trigger point. There was a, a multitude of things, I think, over that early part of life that all kind of snowballed into leading to the depression um, but I do, yeah, I, I think most of it comes back to having no self-love. and didn't love who I was at all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so was there a point at which that you started to have awareness that your self-worth was, um, you know, that you had low self-worth and self-love?
1: I think during my adult years, i knew that I never liked myself and as I got a little bit older probably my late 20s heading towards my 30s you know I I remember thinking I, I wish one day I could just like who I am you know I wish I could look at myself in the mirror and just like who I saw but that's about as far as it went I didn't really know how to go about it I didn't know how to change it it was so deep too I just yeah I didn't think that it was ever possible to even like who I was
0: Yeah. Wow. I mean, that goes so deep and I'm sure it impacts every area of your life.
1: Yeah, it did. I mean, even just applying for a job, like I didn't didn't know how to promote myself. I didn't believe that I would achieve anything or that anything was possible for me. If I, you know, if I got the job, I was sort of like, oh, okay, wow. I'm shocked. (laughs) More so than, you know, believing that, that I deserved it or that I was good enough for it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so going through that for so many years, right. And I'm sure it gets like so ingrained into your state of being and your brain patterns and everything. Um, what was the point where you started to think like believe that you could shift it? Um,
1: I struggled with it for a lot of years and I think I never, really accepted that I wanted that to be how my life was there was always this feeling like I just don't want this for myself but I didn't always know how to get out of it and I think one of the key moments for me was uh, when I was seeing a particular psychologist after I'd had my kids and the anxiety had really flared and the postnatal and all the combination of things and discussing with her some of my family history because my mom had been diagnosed with depression and I have a younger brother also who struggles with depression. And I remember clearly this day she sat there and told me that this was genetic for me. This is genetic. It's in your family. And you just need to accept that this is how your life is always going to be. You're always going to battle with depression. And it was like, she just, sucker punched me in the guts you know i was just like wow i was only in my early 30s and i was just like there's no way i want to live like this forever um but even at that point i still didn't know i knew that i didn't want it to be my life but i didn't know i didn't know how for it not to be my life um and then yeah. In 2016, I, I watched my best friend um, pass away from cancer. And that was like that huge defining moment, I think, where it could have gone one of two ways, I think. I think I could have either sunk into a dark, dark place. But I think for me it was like a soul awakening because um, it triggered a lot of fear I I have fear of death so for a little while I struggled with a fear that I was just going to get cancer and I was going to die and I had no choice and it ended up sparking me actually onto a health journey so I spent like a long time there exploring cancer and how um, you know how we can remove toxins from our life and all the impact of them and I understood cancer more and I understood um, and learnt ways like juice fasting that we can actually heal our bodies. And it was through this journey that I discovered the um, the impact that stored emotions can have on developing disease. And that was like a light bulb moment. I was like, "Wow, okay." Because growing up for me, I had always been I'd always been labelled the sook. I was a sook, I was too emotional. And for me, I avoided those things. So in part of that, I locked away all those emotions. I didn't feel anything, that was a weakness. Don't feel, just you know, push it away. Um, and at that moment, I was kind of like, wow, okay. I could potentially cause disease for myself from all this unprocessed stuff. So yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. It was sort of one thing after another and then reading um, you know, self-development kind of books and starting to really just slowly chip away at all the layers and um, probably as the layers kind of shifted and I realized that I, I wanted to help others is when I um, signed up to do my holistic life coaching diploma. And it was the neuroscience component in that, where I started learning about rewiring the brain and our abilities to do that. So that was probably that real shift in being able to shift my mindset. That was that key. It was like, wow, okay, I finally have the key to unlock all of this. Um, So that was really huge. That was huge. And that's where a lot of the deeper work started happening with my mindset. I challenged a little bit before I'd read some books where they'd talked about our beliefs and how we, where we get them from and how we can pick them up from family and friends and teachers and all that along the way. And that often a lot of them aren't even ours. Um, but I think my studies with the Institute, um, really, I think really showed me that key of how I could shift into a space of learning to like who I was that I could start to challenge that self-worth stuff and all the stories that were intertwined with, you know, believing that I didn't deserve love or wasn't worthy of love and, and those, all those deep stories.
0: Yeah, that's so powerful um, because yeah, those stories go so deep and especially when they've been with us our whole lives. Um, so when the psychologist had said that the depression was going to be something you would have like your entire life was um was it like when you learned these new uh teachings and new beliefs right the neuroscience that you could change it was it like a feeling like oh was maybe it's something that i can change um was it like how did you feel about Like, did you feel tied back by that statement or did you feel like empowered to change it, I guess?
1: In that moment, I felt like she had given me a life sentence. I believed that she had just written my life sentence. And at that point, I didn't know enough and I hadn't done enough self-development to understand that I actually had the power to change it. I just thought that it was, well, this was my fate and I just had to, you know, like she said, I just had to accept it but I didn't, there was a part of me that just said, I I don't want to accept that. Like, I don't want to accept that. I don't want that to be my life. And, but no, it actually, yeah. I didn't feel empowered. I actually just felt like she had written my life sentence and I felt awful. Yeah. It's
0: interesting. Right. Yeah. I can imagine um, how like caged you would feel from that. Um, But I love that you say like, there's a part of you that was like, I don't know about that, right? There's a part of you that's like, I don't know if I want to... It was this <laughs> screaming just, Go, like no, no,
1: <laughs> no, no, this right. can't be, this can't.
0: And I wonder, like, do you think that that moment actually helped awaken that voice more?
1: Maybe a very small amount. I think the voice was okay. in the distance for quite a while. I just don't think... That she knew what to do with it. Yeah. I still wasn't yeah. empowered enough to understand that I actually had a choice, that there was a way out. So she was there saying, no, this can't, this can't be our destiny. This is not how our life's going to work out. Um, but on the other hand, it was like, well, yeah, I hadn't awakened enough to understand the power that we have over over our minds.
0: Yeah. I, I love how you describe it as the key. You're like, you finally have the key to sort of open that. It's like, it's like once you realize, oh, this can change. And then you actually have some practices or tools or whatnot to use. It's like you can open the door that you thought was locked this whole time or that was locked this whole time.
1: Yes, it was like that prison that she'd put me in by saying that this was how I was gonna be forever. And it was like, hang on, I have the key. I can get out of this i have the power <laughs>
0: that's so incredible that's so incredible it's so empowering um so yeah so and i love how you talk about it. it was like a slow journey where you just were going around like learning new things and collecting basically collecting like wisdom right and collecting Um, empowering tools I feel like that's the case for so many of us it's not just like overnight all of a sudden we have all the keys
1: (laughs) no absolutely not there's no quick fix out of it I don't believe that there are any quick fixes in life I think there's just consistent conscious awareness and practice
0: yeah absolutely so what does your um what do your practices look like now for yourself um, when it comes to you know really building up your self-worth and your self-love it's still a working
1: practice <laughs> so i have yeah. never been um i was raised by uh, my beautiful mom who is just so selfless so when i was growing up i just believed that it was my job to do everything for everybody else. Um, And I think that that was sort of part of my downfall when I had my kids, it wasn't as noticeable as I was growing up. But when I had my kids, I was just giving everything to them and my husband. And um, I did burn, I actually ended up with adrenal fatigue in 2016. I literally burnt myself out. And I think again, that was another moment where I was just like, hang on. Okay. So it was a, I had to relearn that and teach myself that self-care is okay that it's not selfish of me to put myself first which is what I had grown up believing so I had to unlearn all of that and it's just now still a bit of a learning process of learning to put myself first and recognizing what I need um but even some of the practices I went through in my coaching degree you know we we looked at What are our needs? And that was one of the most confronting exercises I'd ever done because I'd never once stopped and asked myself what I needed or, you know, what I wanted in life. Um, And I think even they are some of the keys to us. I think there's a lot of us that are very selfless and we're people-pleasing. And I know for myself, I was a people-pleaser because of that aspect of having no self-love and no self-worth. I wanted people to like me, so I I did everything to please them and and make them happy. So it's a practice now of learning where I can gently put in boundaries around myself um, and acknowledging when I need space. I've learnt that being an introverted person for me and quite an empathic person that I actually need time alone. Um, And I remember as a kid just loving hanging out in my room by myself, but back then I didn't really... Know all the pieces, whereas now I can see that I need just that. I need some time where it's just me. Um, you know, I love to read, so that's one of my alone things. I love to just lock myself away with a cup of tea and read. Um, some other self love and self care practices is I get up early each morning and I go for a walk. I watch the sunrise. Um, Again, that's my time to myself as well. I meditate, I journal um, and I keep learning, you know, I just keep learning new things, new tools. Um, Yeah, they're probably the main things. Um, And I mean, I guess it's not like anxiety is never present for me or that I don't have flat times but I can actually see it now. And then I have the tools to to investigate is what I would say. I explore and investigate. And so part of that practice is journaling. I find journaling is amazing for self-exploration.
0: Yes, absolutely. Journaling is huge for me as well. And for so many people, Um, I love how you tie self-worth and self-love to getting it's like getting to know yourself getting to know what you want out of life what your needs are what self-care even means to you right because it can be different for everybody
1: yeah absolutely and I think we all go through um, different different emotions like even throughout a month or you know we're all affected and impacted by the moon in different ways so shift, you know, there's, we shift up and down and I think sitting and being okay with that ebb and flow as well, you know, investigating how it is that you feel throughout different times of the month or different parts of your feminine cycle, um, how maybe you're affected by the moon cycle. I know for me, the full moon certainly has an impact on me um, and my girls. Um, But it is, I think it's, it is a, for me, because I was a people pleaser, I was so disconnected from even who I was or what I wanted. I had molded myself and changed myself throughout my life, you know, even to the point of liking certain music because a group of friends liked that music. Do you know what I mean? Like I changed myself throughout my whole life to fit in and belong and be liked by others that i know a couple of years ago when i started this real deep journey you know having conversations with my husband just saying god i don't even know who i actually am you know if i take away all the bits and pieces that i've become because of other people i don't even know who i am anymore so it's been a real journey of peeling back those things and feeling okay with being who I am and liking the things that, you know, learning to understand what it is that I like in the first place um, and what makes me feel good. And yeah, who I, who am I when I don't have all the bits and pieces of other people's influence on me. And that's a question I'm still learning, but um, I think along that way, um, you know, I'm learning to like myself more and more. I don't think I can say confidently yet that I'm absolutely 100% in love with myself yet, but that is my goal. Um, and I certainly like who I am now. I I like who she is. I think she's, she's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I think she's pretty cool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just on one of those though, actually one of the most, I think one of the most profound shifts for me along the way, um, one of the practices I did for a while I, I'm not currently doing it but um I did it a couple of years ago and back then I was still in that space of quite heavy self-hate and it was a um it was a gratitude journal prompt that had been shared with me and there was a series of different questions that you did in your journal um in the morning and in the evening so some of them are around how can you have a great day and what are you grateful for and know what are you grateful for that happened today but one of the key questions said what do I love about me and it really stumped me for a while but I challenged myself every single day to find that one thing love for me back then was that was too strong a word so I was like okay what do I like about myself what what do I like about myself right now you know and I started with a couple of physical features um, but there wasn't a lot I generally liked about my physical features back then. So it was sort of like, oh, yeah, I've got great eyes or I've got this or I've got that. And then it was like, oh, okay, wow, where do I go from here? But it, I pushed myself and, and it was, I found it a really amazing practice to push yourself into continuing to find something that you like about yourself, you know. So it might have been, oh, wow, okay, oh, well, I love my strength. You know, as, as much as I get knocked down, I don't get, you know, I get back up every single time. I don't stay down. I keep getting up and I keep trying and, you know, or maybe, wow, this, this self journey is just so hard, but I get up and I do it every day and, you know, I'll keep doing it. So I just wanted to add that that was, that was a huge tool for me. That was something that really started to shift the way that I saw myself and, and develop that little bit of, um, self-love and self-like
0: yeah I love that that is it's so huge um I love so there's a couple things right so um one thing you mentioned is like uh, being okay with even just starting with like you know for people who are in that realm of like self-hate or self um really low self-worth it's like sometimes love is too strong and it's okay to start with like it's okay to start it's okay to have those incremental steps because they add up over time and they end up being so powerful. And the other piece to that is the consistency, right? It's not like you did it one day and that was it, right? Like maybe you didn't do it every single day, but it sounds like you did it almost every day, and or maybe you did do it every single day. Um, but it's that consistency and allowing yourself to like keep keep coming back to it. Even when you're like, I don't know what else I could think of, like keep coming back to it and have that like perseverance, I think is so crucial when we're rewiring our brain.
1: Yeah. See, that's the thing that, you know, when you talk about being okay with like for the brain, if you're so deep in self hate, the word love, it's too far from the belief that you have, you know, we can't shift from, you know, this really low, low, belief of hate to just automatically jump up to love because they're just polar opposites and they're too far apart for the brain the brain just you know when we're shifting those beliefs it has to be just that that little bit you know it's like shifting from a to b and then when we get to b we go okay we might shift from b to c um you know you take those little steps because yeah it's easy to find the proof of that but it's too hard to find the proof of love in that moment that's just too far and that's right exactly yeah
0: yeah and the thing you're you're bringing up is that like whatever it is that you're working on like you you have to believe it it has to be something that you actually believe in, if you're sitting there saying, I love myself, but in your head, you really think I, you know, I hate myself. It's like, it's better to say something really small that you actually believe because then you're making that progress.
1: Yeah. And shifting those beliefs, you need to find some evidence to support it. And I think, you know, I tried some of Louise Hay's practices of standing in the mirror and, you know, saying, I love you, Brooke. I really love you. And I just, every time i said it inside my body i felt my body just cringe and be like oh no no i just don't believe this for a second because at that point i really believed that i was unlovable and i hated who i was so i cringed every time i said it and i don't believe um you know i credit a lot of louise's um hay's work i think she's incredible and i think she has some fantastic stuff but it was just one practice that just didn't resonate with me and um, you know, when it, I was doing my, di- my coaching diploma, that's when I kind of learned, well, we've got to find some evidence. And at that point I had no evidence of love. There was nothing. Um, whereas that's how that, that journal practice was really quite powerful because I was giving myself daily evidence, daily evidence of what was kind of okay about me. Um, and it was much easier to shift. Um, it's a lot easier to shift, I think, especially when you're giving yourself that evidence, you know, we have to prove, we have to show ourselves the proof to the new belief. We have to have some supporting evidence, otherwise it won't stick. It doesn't, you know, we, we won't believe it.
0: Right, that's so true because we have, our mind is hanging on to all of the evidence to the contrary. And so in order to be able to introduce something new, we have to say, hey, look, here's some evidence. I love what you said. The Gratitude Journal was literally building evidence. Oh, my God, that's so true.
1: And I actually never thought about it until this literal moment where I just was like, (laughs) I was literally just building myself a book full of evidence of all the great things about me so you know and now that it is written in a journal i can go back at any time and i can look through them and remind myself in those moments where maybe i am feeling a bit flat or um you know having a challenging time i could flick back through and go oh wow okay yeah this is all the things that are great about me i'm not so bad
0: absolutely oh my goodness i love that so much it's so powerful and it's it's in your own words, you know? It's not something that somebody else is feeding you or anything, it's in your own words and it's your own truth. Um, I love that so much. Uh, So you had mentioned, um, I just wanted to go back to, you had mentioned that when you were asked about, there was a prompt about what your needs were, like listing out like what, yeah, like self care, and like what you had for your own for meeting your own needs. And you talk about how it was very confronting, and that you didn't really know who you were. uh, Which I think, you know, a lot of people get to that point where they're like, I don't even, I don't even know who I am when you strip the rest away. Um, What do you think it is that? Is it like a fear of? um, Was it like a fear for you of getting to know yourself? Like, what do you think it was once you got there? That makes it are still confronting? I think part of it was that old belief that it was
1: selfish to want anything for myself but I think too because I spent all my time fulfilling everyone else's needs I mean not just my own family but you know my extended family and my my mom and um, you know worrying about my brothers and my dad and I'd never actually stopped to ever ask myself what I needed, you know, and it it explored, it wasn't just simply, okay, what do you need? But, you know, it explored different aspects of your life. What do you need um, in your physical environment? What do you need um, for your health? What do you need spiritually? You know, there was a multitude of things, um, That came through and you know it was a couple of pages long with different different categories that you went through but i think um there was perhaps a little bit of fear that i didn't you know that i didn't know what i needed that i was so out of touch with myself that i actually didn't know what i needed but i think also just too that it was so confronting because i didn't know how to actually stop and think about myself i was so programmed to think about everyone else that that the whole concept of thinking about me that was really foreign I was like wow I don't even know what I need do I know what I need <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay yeah it was just like a totally radical concept <laughs>
1: yeah I'm like I don't know how to do this this wow this is just too hard I don't know what I need <laughs> but again I think I mean it's that sounds build yeah build on you know, yeah. you might not know the answers in the beginning, but as you start to explore yourself, you go, oh, hang on. You know, I mean, now I've worked out, yeah, I need solitude time. I need alone time. I need time where it's just me, you know. I need the sun. For me, I need the sun. The sun fills me up, you know. I've, I've learned over the last few years, like I did my diploma two years ago, so I've learned little bits more, you know, all the time. I think, hang on, that's another one for my needs list. And then for me, I believe that what we need to then do is we need to create our self-care routines around those needs. So I think once we identify what it is that we actually need, then I think we can have a better understanding of our self-care and create better routines from that. Because when we understand what we need, well, then we can start looking at a self-care practice that actually fulfills those needs.
0: Right. I, absolutely. Because it's going to be different for every single person. And so building those self-care routines, it's not just like some list that we can go and find on the internet, right? It's going to be different for every single person.
1: And I think the only way that you're going to feel fulfilled is if those, if those things that you are doing, that they link back to what you actually need. Cause I think, you know, for me, Um, you know, I could be someone who went out and got my nails done and my hair done and had a massage, but I actually don't need any of those things that don't make me feel fulfilled. So if I did those thinking that they were my self care practices, I still wouldn't feel fulfilled at the end of the day. So I think that you have to really link the two together. I think a self care practice needs to stem from what it is that you need. If you need nutritious food every day, then that needs to be part of your self care.
0: Absolutely. 100%. So going back a little bit um, to another piece, you talked about how um, you really didn't, you you learned that it wasn't okay to express emotions. And it was really like you were repressing emotions. And was there um, certain practices that helped you to start releasing those stored emotions?
1: I think for me that oh, that's still a work in progress is learning. I think learning to, to feel them in the moment and then let them go. That's, that's something I still work on now, but I explored a lot through different healing modalities. I've um, worked with kinesiologists to clear stored energy. I've worked um, with Reiki practitioners Um I actually have got my level two Reiki certification now. So, you know, I can do that on myself as well. But um, I think also because I repressed them for so long and numbed myself to them, I'd gotten to a point where I actually just didn't know even what I felt anymore. Like I was so out of touch with what I was feeling. So I think exploring, that in the moment. And, you know, I've done certain practices where, you know, maybe you set an alarm on your phone for every hour and you stop in at that hour and you check in with, what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling right now? Um, And starting to understand what these feelings were. Um, And I think one of the tricky things too is my my mum was also raised to not feel emotion, which is a lot, you know, she was my biggest role model and, you know, as a child and even now, you know, I I admire her so much that, you know, I wanted to be like her and, and I think being labeled a sook was another reason why I just repressed them and didn't feel them because obviously when I was younger, they must've been running freely because, you know, that's how I ended up with that label. But, um, I'd never had that role model who could help me understand even when I was younger, what my emotions were, Um, which is, is a whole new journey for me now as a mum because it's my, I know it's my job to help my girls understand what their feelings are so that they can put them together and they know, Oh, I'm feeling excited right now. Or, Oh, this is happiness. This is what happiness feels like. So for me as a grown adult, I've had to try and learn that myself and explore, you know, what is this feeling that I'm actually feeling like, is this happy? Is this what happy feels like? You know, I've had to, I I suppose, um, analyze these feelings and, and start to learn what they are and what they, yeah, how they feel. And so, yeah, now it's a, now I'm sort of practicing feeling them in the moment and then allowing them to go. Um, I no longer, hold on to my tears. I've, I've realized now that I am someone who cries. And for me, crying is kind of that release of emotion. It's, it's allowing it to flow, you know, whether it be stress or whether it's frustration or, um, you know, sadness, whatever it is that I find that I've learned about myself, that that's, that's kind of, that's my way of, I think, feeling it and letting it flow. You know, sometimes my husband looks at me and he's like, oh, what's, you know, you're crying. Like, you know, what's wrong? Like, how can I fix it? I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. This is just, this is just me letting things flow. I think this is just what I have to do these days.
0: I love that so much. are like, I'm good over here. I'm just crying. Yeah. It's-,
1: <laughs> it's just my emotions flowing.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's beautiful, though, because really what you're talking about is getting to know yourself on an even deeper level and getting to know what each emotion feels like and accepting that in the moment, right? Because I think a huge part of battling against repression is acceptance of the emotions we're feeling in the moment. And so you're really allowing yourself to feel them and to accept them. And in that way, then they get released naturally and getting to know like what they mean to you right because again like these are very personal things that don't feel exactly the same way for everybody
1: no i mean for some people they only cry when it's deep sadness it might be the only time they ever cry whereas yeah for me it's that now i've learned you know and again i feel like it's another key because now I've learned that this is just what I need. This is actually me learning how to allow flow to happen with my emotions and not trap them and lock them down
0: and can't feel them, <laughs> you know, put them away. Right. It was just so powerful and empowering for us, right? Because then we're not holding on to it in our bodies and in our like energy and everything.
1: Yeah, and it absolutely I believe that um you know they can create disease that a lot of yeah. the illnesses and stuff that we have we're manifesting through holding on to all of this stuff this negative heavy stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. That that's the piece of Louise Hay that I've really enjoyed is sort of finding her definitions of like the what emotions are tied to different physical illnesses. Which have been really empowering for me.
1: Yeah. And there's also the work of um, Inna Siegel, who's got an amazing Mm. book as well, um, all about your emotions and how they tie into certain parts of the body and certain ailments. And she's got a whole series of sort of
0: not mantras,
1: but yeah, sort of techniques for each different part of the body and how you can um work on releasing that and you know working with color and all sorts of things so her work's quite fascinating as well
0: oh that's awesome i'll definitely have to look her up color that's cool
1: yeah color's another one um and she also talks about the emotion so working and so ways that you can work with the positive and ways that you can work with the negative emotion that's surrounding that ailment or um, that body part too, which is really quite great. So there's different layers that you can choose to use.
0: That's amazing. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so you mentioned uh, being a mother is helping you as well. You're sort of having to look at, um helping them through their emotions in ways that you hadn't really had that help when you were their age and so how often do you sort of like see yourself in them
1: uh with my eldest daughter all of the time I think sometimes I find sometimes I find her behavior quite confronting because in some ways she feels like um A version of me you know when I was younger with some negative thought patterns and stuff and sometimes I just get a bit you know heart crushed and I think oh goodness this is not what I want for her but then I'm reminded that I can share with her all of the things that I've learned and although she's only just turned nine I do I do my best to kind of bring it down to a child level but yeah teaching her those brain hacks already to try and shift those early mindsets for her. Um, it's tricky at times because I'm still learning my emotions so sometimes it's tricky helping them navigate theirs but we just yeah we just keep trying.
0: <laughs> and that's all you can really do right but I mean you have so much awareness and such a wealth of, of knowledge and experience on it and the fact that you are trying right it's just it's really, really incredible. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think that's. it's easy to get caught up to in that space of, um, I guess, thinking that we're not doing enough or, you know, we haven't got to where we want to be. But I think, you know, self reflections so powerful to stop and think, well, hang on, where have we been and where are mm-hmm. we now? Because, yeah, I think acknowledging that growth, because often we don't see it along the way and yeah i think you sometimes have to stop and check in and even as you say stop and check in and go well hang on i am trying you know i'm trying for my kids and um they were my main reason really for trying so hard to shift all of this stuff i you know i didn't want them to grow up with this sad miserable mum or you know get to their adult days and goes yeah remember those days mum was just always sad or you know she never smiled or you know and i think too um just being who i am and i, I see it a lot in my kids too they're very empathic of others and i think just when i was growing up watching my mum struggle with depression which now with what i've learned. I truly believe that so much of that for my mom is her stories and it's the experiences that she's had and the beliefs that she ha- has had. Um, but as a child, not understanding all of that, I felt like it was my job to make her happy. And then when I couldn't, you know, again, it was kind of like, Oh, well I've failed again. And I didn't want that for my kids. You know, I don't want them to feel, and even now if they see me crying, know i let them know but hey that's okay and and it's not your job to cheer me up it's it's not your job to you know i'm allowed to have down days and and crying doesn't always mean that um you know that i'm sad or that you need to cheer me up it's okay just to just to be you know i don't want them to carry that kind of heavy burden and feeling like it's their job to to make me happy so they have been the main reason really i think why why i've worked so hard in those moments where i feel like it is too hard you know you get those days and it's just like oh this is just it's too hard you know and things come back up for you and you think oh this is just i don't want to do this anymore and then i just look at my kids and i'm just like yes no i'm going to do this you know they're my strength i'm doing this for them i'm in mean, a change for them
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a huge inspiration and really, really beautiful. You know, I mean, that's just huge, like what you were just explaining of just modeling that emotion regulation basically for them, like saying, hey, yeah, I'm crying, and it's okay. And it's like that acceptance of emotion, and you don't have to fix it. It's like just in that, just purely, that's such a huge teaching for them. Um, really like modeling that behavior and modeling like how to manage emotion and feel it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so and the other thing you mentioned that I loved um, was that, right, like when we're making incremental steps every single day, we forget how far we've come, right? And so that self-reflection of going back and looking at where we were just a year ago, or two years ago, or even six months ago, or three months ago, right, whatever it is, we can look back and especially if we have journal prompts and stuff, sometimes I'll do that and go back and look at my journals and just be like, wow, I really have made a lot of progress, you know, wow, like things are better. um, But we don't always see that because it's incremental every day.
1: Yeah, and I think we get so focused too, on where, where it is that we want to be, and when we're not at that place or we haven't got there yet or, you know, life's just not quite at, this, at the place that we, we're dreaming of, we get kind of, you know, deflated and, and it's sort of like, oh, you know, this is just not working or it's too hard or oh, I can't do this. But yeah, if you stop and you, you reflect back and you go, well, hang on. Yeah. Where, where was I six months ago? I, I know even for me, I've had another level of huge shift, I think, just in the last couple of months um you know and sometimes i get caught up because again not where it's quite where i want to be or things maybe just aren't aren't quite where i want to be and then sometimes um you know my best uh, my girlfriend will sort of say to me but hang on you know stop and have a look at the growth in the last couple of months and i stopped the other day and i was like yeah wow yeah cool no i've you know so I think it's, it's really powerful. And I think that I always encourage people, you've got to stop and stop and think about where you were two years ago, you know, stop and think about where you were six months ago. That's yeah. where the power is, I think, in reminding yourself that you've come a long way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because right then it's evidence that we are going to be able to continue doing it, right?
1: <laughs> yes. And it shifts you from that, that sort of more negative space of, of I'm not where I want to be and kind of shifts you in that space of I don't know, I guess gratitude and um and yeah, just acceptance that you are moving forward. Right.
0: Yeah. And like that, and you mentioned like empowerment, I think too, right. Cause then you're like, okay, I can do this, you know, and I can keep going and I can make it to where I want to be. And just because I'm not there right now, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I am, you know, I am moving forward and I am.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I love that. So um you clearly have so much uh, so much wisdom on this and so much um, understanding of this journey. And so um, w- do you want to explain a little bit about the work that you do with uh, your clients?
1: So I think one of the biggest things that I wanted once I started on my journey was that empowerment. you know, that was a huge word that I came across, and I'm like, Um, you know someone said to me one day you've got an amazing story you know you need to share that with people and I was kind of like what (laughs) so but I've realized how empowering it is for others and for me I've only just started to overcome my own self-doubts around talking more about mental health Um, primarily you know a lot for me I was talking a lot and working a lot with people around stress and um, you know self-care but it's evolving into this mental health side as well because I really think it's all tied in together and I think with my journey what I understand now is I really believed that I almost I really pushed myself I think into depression because of my self-talk and because of the beliefs I held about myself and because of my lack of self-love I honestly believe that you know, depression was that inner chaos. Like that's that was my insides going. Hang on, we can't do this anymore. You need to wake up and you need to see. Um, you know, part of my work is wanting to empower women that they have a choice. Like we have a choice. We are the creators of our own lives. We have choice. You know, I want to share with them the key so that they can unlock things for themselves and I think my main message is really about finding inner happiness because for me I spent so much of my life like happiness has always been the core thing for me which you know is the polar opposite to depression right so I think it's always been about happiness but I've always looked for it on the outside and now I have all these you know keys and tools because I understand that it comes from within and it comes from nurturing that inner world, nurturing your thoughts and your mind and making them healthy. But yeah, empowering women that, that they can, you know, that was that huge defining moment for me. I think, you know, like we talked about having that little voice that said, this is not my life sentence, but going well, I dunno, do I have a choice? Yes, we have a choice. We absolutely have a choice we are the creators of our life and we can change it and we can have the things that we want. We can create the life that we want. So, you know, I I, much of my work is working with women around their belief systems around their stories and um, creating practices of, of learning to have self love or create self love for themselves Even if it's not self-love yet, you know, working towards self-love, understanding their worth um, and working with them to connect um, their needs, you know, to understand their needs and then connect them into their self-care practices. So then it creates more of that inner happiness because if our needs aren't being met, we're not going to find inner inner true happiness because we're always going to feel like we're lacking so I think it's, yeah, helping put all the pieces together, cultivate, it's, it's all part of self-love. So, you know, it's just about cultivating all the pieces of self-love and I think, yeah, um, shining that light on mental health that it's, it's our job. Like it's our job to, to take care of that as part of our self-care, you know, self-care, a lot of people tend to think of physical stuff, but it's more than that. It's, It's, you know, the mental, the physical, the spiritual, the emotional. It's all of it. And it's nurturing all of it um, to prevent us from things like depression and anxiety.
0: Yeah, that's really, really powerful, beautiful work. And so if you were talking to somebody who was really at this, like, really deep, um, low point of depression, what, uh, what message would you have for them? I guess that
1: I just want them to understand that there's a way out. It doesn't have to be, that doesn't have to be forever. And even though it feels like forever and I totally get it. I've been there so many times and it feels so dark and it feels like nobody understands, but you know, I would tell them that I understand. I totally understand it, but it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to stay there. Um, And then start doing the work to to start creating the awareness around what they're thinking, what are their thought patterns, because that's, it's one of the keys.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the starting point. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Um, If somebody wanted to connect with you, where would they find you?
1: Sure. So they can find me on Facebook. So www.facebook.com slash Brooke Martin coaching. And I'm also on Instagram um, and my handle is Brooke Martin coaching.
0: Awesome. Do you have a website too?
1: Not yet. No, it'll be a work in progress.
0: (laughs) Cool. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Brooke. I really appreciate you sharing your story. It's incredibly inspiring.
1: Thank you so much for having me and I'm glad that I can share and hopefully help others out there.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for joining us at the Courage Rising podcast where stories change lives. And don't forget to check out our free Facebook community at facebook.com groups slash Courage Rising podcast. See you next week, my loves.